0: Old Testament Prophets. I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable, just to close your eyes for a second and get a picture of this. Old Testament Prophets. I picture an older man with bushy hair and a long, wild beard in robes and sandals, kind of with a wild look in his eye. And I'm sure that that picture is based on on the many paintings and drawings that I've seen over my life. But I also think some of the stories that we have in Scripture have contributed to that picture. Stories like Isaiah walking around the town naked, or Jeremiah carrying an oxen yoke on his shoulders, or Ezekiel. There are so many possibilities in Ezekiel, but I think the one that I always remember is where he sees dried up old bones coming to life. There are so many scenes that are memorable from these Old Testament prophets. And so often their messages were doom and gloom for the people of Israel. It kind of makes me wonder why these negative stories ended up. In our scripture, why we recorded and kept them, why they were saved and handed down from generation to generation. There were prophets who predicted prosperity, and they predicted abundant crops, successful wars, but they tended to be the people we call the false prophets. And we didn't save their prophecies, we didn't save their words. Why didn't we save those? They were happy, but they were false. The prophecies we have, they weren't even the ones that the kings or the rulers liked. And they ended up in our scripture, in our Bible, because they told truth. These prophets would read the current political situation. They would pray to God and listen. And they delivered the truth they heard back, no matter how bleak. That truth was. Many of them weren't believed. Some were tossed in prison. But always in hindsight, when their words came true, their crazy, awful words, when they came true, those were the words that became sacred. They became holy. They became scripture. Old Testament prophets. In fact, there is a consistent pattern that we see in their messages of all of these prophets. Their common refrain went something like this Israel was in a time of crisis, and their world looked like it was about to end. Military pressures from foreign powers, famine due to pestilence, drought, or floods, everything was in chaos, and the Old Testament prophets did not hesitate to point it out and say, Do something. If we don't do something, more bad stuff is going to happen. And our scripture today was brought by Joel. He was one of the 12 minor prophets. They were called minor because their scrolls were shorter than Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. The content wasn't less in any way. They were just shorter. And in fact, Joel is only a three-chapter book. And in that, he tells about this great famine that occurred in the land after an invasion of locusts, which he compares to foreign armies sweeping across the land. And these images, they would have spoken to the people of Israel because it was an agricultural-based group, and they knew foreign armies and foreign invaders. Time and again, it had happened. And Joel's world was looking bleak. His world was about to end, so he warns the people. And the funny thing about Joel, and most of the other prophets too, is that they don't leave that message there in despair. We may not remember, we remember the crazy passages, but they try to change it and turn it over into hope. There's always that shift somewhere in the scripture after the locusts had come and stripped every bit of green plant life from the land, after the long drought and famine, after the ground had dried up so much that it cracked open, after their neighbors had shamed the people of Israel, assuming their God wasn't powerful enough to fix the situation. After all that shame, all of a sudden the skies opened up. The rains pelted down to the ground, turning it from that hard-baked clay into fertile, ripe topsoil. That rain poured down fertility and life and hope on the people. And it's this event, this hope raining down from the skies that Joel writes of today. The ground was ready to produce abundantly. It hadn't happened yet. But Joel points out these signs of fertility, and he offers the people hope for the future. Hope for peace and prosperity. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Then, afterward, Joel says, after you've been through all that hard stuff, after all has been healed, after your calves and your goats and your children are running around fat and healthy, after. Joel promises a future where God will pour out God's spirit on everyone. We will all feel God's spirit pouring over us and like the thirsty, parched, cracked earth. We will soak up that spirit. Male and female, young and old, slave and free, black, white, brown, and every shade in between. No boundaries will separate people. And all creation will receive this thorough saturation of hope. A hope for peace and prosperity for everyone. These words may seem familiar. In fact, they are so hope-filled that someone else in the Bible chose to use them too. The person who used these words had witnessed miracles. This person had heard life lessons taught. This person had sat around a table and shared a meal with a group of 12 others. The person who used these words witnessed their leader, their teacher, their friend get betrayed and arrested. He had watched his friend suffer at the hands of the Roman soldiers. He had watched his friend be crucified, take his last breath, and die. He was angry and he was scared, and he was in grief. Then afterward, he chose to use these words of hope from Joel. Then afterward, Peter, in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter, whose own hope had failed, he looked around him at the people gathered, gathered just like him in anger, in fear, and in grief. And he just knew. Peter knew he was the rock. He knew he was the leader. And he knew he had to give these followers a word of hope. Then afterward, Peter used Joel's same words to give hope to those who had gathered with him. Though everything seemed lost, he wanted them to see the then afterward possibility of a future. He wanted them to know that God's spirit would pour out on everyone. Everyone around the world. Peter offered people the hope for the future, a hope for peace and prosperity. And I can't think of any gathered group who needed those words of assurance at that time. Those words of hope. More than that group that had gathered on that day of Pentecost. unless. Maybe it is us today, on this day. We don't have any locusts that I know of, but catastrophic weather is a huge threat around the world and a threat to our food systems. We don't have kings here in the United States, but we do have politicians and governments that are in the most bitter fight I have ever witnessed in my life. Fight that, fights that make me cringe when I think of what we're teaching our children about current events and government and politics. And our relationships with our foreign neighbors are at best complicated and at worst completely violent. I don't know about all of you, but I could use a pelting rainstorm of hope to shower down on me and on us and on this world. Recently, you were all very gracious in allowing me some time off, and my husband and I decided to take a little trip, and we went over to Italy and got on a little cruise around to some of the Greek islands. We happened to be stopping in Montenegro, which is one of the Balkan countries that got formed at the end of the Civil War in Yugoslavia. And on the morning that we arrived there, the captain got on board and in many languages encouraged us all to be up on deck to witness the sailing in of this port. It was like nothing we would ever see, he said. And and we wound through these channels and there were these mountains coming down to the ocean. It was stunning. It was one of those places that you could just feel the presence of God. And I happened to be standing on deck next to a woman who, when I looked at her, I realized she was Muslim. She was wearing a Muslim headscarf and a dress. And we looked at each other and we kind of smiled and nodded and couldn't really speak to each other because of the language barrier, but we were looking at this amazing part of creation, just stunned. And finally, I I indicated through mime as we were taking pictures, I, I, I said, I'll take your picture and I'll... Uh, your camera, your phone, and I'll take your picture. And she smiled and nodded and gave me her phone, and I I did that. And then then we switched places, and she took my picture. And we continued to watch as the boat was moving along. And then all of a sudden, the captain's voice came on again. And he said, I would just like to remind all of you that this is the 15th anniversary of 9-11. And I'd like the entire boat to have a moment of silence in honor of the people who died that day. And the whole deck got very quiet. All you could hear was the water lapping up against the boat. And I stood there looking at this awesome creation, remembering and being so grateful to be alive to witness it. And all of a sudden, I felt this hand reach over and grab mine. And I looked over, startled at my new friend. And she was looking at me and she had tears pouring down her cheeks. And I also started weeping. And we stood there on that deck in the silence, our hands grasped, weeping and hoping. In the last 15 years, as a country, as a world, we've been through some really hard stuff. We've endured so much. But in that moment, On board that ship, I started to get a glimpse of rain-soaked earth, yielding the promise of growth. Then afterward, on the deck of that ship, standing with the Holy Spirit pouring out over both of us, two women marveling at God's creation, two women who have no way to communicate except through our smiles and our tears. Two women united in a vision of a world abundantly filled with hope. And just as Joel offered these words to the people of ancient Israel, and just as Peter offered them to the followers of Jesus after his death, Scripture offers us these words today. Words of hope for the future, a hope for peace and prosperity for everyone. Amen.